Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. It is my joy to be with you again today. We have an awesome show, a great interview that I truly believe is going to enlighten you, awaken your heart. You'll see the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of what he's accomplished for you on your behalf. You're, you're going to be able to see who you are in Christ in a, in a fresh new light, I believe. And so um, if you are new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We have a new episode every Monday and Thursday streaming on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You could also go to the Charisma Plus app. There's hundreds of episodes of Awakened Podcast on there for you to tap into free content completely. Um, just I've got people coming on from all over the world um, with an, with with teachings with um, just a relevant message for the body of Christ right now digging into the word of God sharing testimonies of the Lord how God has saved them healed them um, set them free in so many ways and it's my desire like in Ephesians five fourteen, awake awake O sleeper rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you the apostle Paul said that to believers not unbelievers we need an awakening in our hearts so we could see who Jesus is what he has accomplished who we are in him the tools we have because of what he has accomplished and how we could truly be effective in this world for the gospel and the kingdom of God. And so that is my passion. That is my heart behind this show. Thank you so much if you are constantly tuning in to Awaken Podcast. I've heard testimony after testimony of people who have been listening and you know, including this in their small groups, at their churches, people that are diving into the word like never before, being blessed by the podcast, people who have been healed, and so many amazing testimonies that have come forth, emotional healing, physical healing, just from listening to several episodes here on the podcast. And so awesome. You guys are amazing. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review so we can get this out to more people so they can be blessed and awakened by the beautiful gospel of our Lord Jesus. That's my desire. That's my passion. And that's why I have my guest on the show today. His name is Andrew Farley. Many of you may know who he is, but he's helping millions of people around the world discover the beauty of their identity in Jesus. He serves as the lead pastor of Church Without Religion, a non-denominational church on the high plains of West Texas. He is also an author of several best-selling books, including The Naked Gospel and Twisted Scripture. Um, Andrew Farley Live is also a nationwide call-in radio program that airs across North America every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern. So thank you, Andrew, for joining me today. Hey, Michael. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my joy to talk to you. Just like before uh, we got on the broadcast here today, I, I let you know your teachings have been definitely instrumental in my life. And so, man, it's an honor to have you on and speak to you today. Hey, well, I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. <laughs> and so you wrote a book called Perfect You, The Perfect You, God's Invitation to Live from the Heart. Before we dive into the content here, I would love to hear your story a little bit. How, how did you come into a revelation of grace that you're teaching so boldly right now? I just, I would, I know you're laying your life down for the, for the beautiful gospel. And so just tell us, how, how did you kind of come into this revelation? Yeah, I was 19 years old and I was begging God for answers. I was saying, God, I'm doing everything they said to do. I'm sharing my faith with everybody that I meet. I'm in church every time the doors are open. I'm reading my Bible four or five hours a day. Mm. I'm in halfway houses, jails, prisons. I'm on the streets of Greece and Italy. I'm I'm witnessing. I'm sold mm. out. I'm yeah. surrendered. And I'm absolutely miserable. And at that point, uh, I'm like, God, my formula is broken. I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like I'm closer to you. Like, where did I go wrong? I'm super busy. Uh, but I'm absolutely miserable inside. And so that was 
19 years old and it wasn't sky riding out of the sky. It wasn't uh, a lightning bolt out of heaven or anything. It was more like 10 years of replacing old thoughts with new thoughts. Mm. And at the center of all of that was the new covenant. And I had never heard anything about the new covenant. I'd been a believer for two decades and I had never heard a single sermon on the new covenant. I didn't know what it was. To me, it was maybe the name of the church down the street, you know, <laughs> new covenant chapel of God or sure. something. Uh, so it was a rebuilding time where God, uh, through the book of Hebrews and through the book of Romans, uh, really helped me see his love and grace like never before. And so today in, in my book, The Perfect You, I'm, I'm sharing what I learned through all of that and how I found healing through all of that and, and what it means to be made perfect um, in Jesus Christ. And, you know, the world desperately needs the message, but the church desperately needs the message. <laughs> I agree. I just love your story there. Everyone comes into this um, revelation um, of the new covenant into grace in their own way. I was striving. I was very up and down like a roller coaster for many years. If I was doing everything I thought I needed to do and I felt like God was happy with me, then I was on cloud nine experiencing joy. But if I didn't get up at 5 a.m. or pray in the spirit all day like Smith Wigglesworth or some of these revivalists. If I didn't do X, Y, Z, then I was despondent and beating myself up, stuck in condemnation. And it was several scriptures and books that God brought my way to really open my heart up to grace. And so I just love the journey that God has us on. <laughs> you know, he takes us by the hand. He's so merciful. Yeah. He's so gracious. And he opens up our eyes at the right time. He truly is our satisfaction. You know, we could actually have joy, righteousness, and peace in the Holy Spirit, which is a beautiful thing. Striving just doesn't bring that to us. But you share in the beginning of your book um, this do more, be more message that is so prevalent in the church today, which causes believers like myself and like you in the beginning, like you share, to strive and to try to earn the things that God has already freely given us. I'd like to talk about that to lay a foundation. Yeah, I, I call it the dooby-dooby-doo gospel. I mean, it's it's what we hear since we're five years old. Do more, be more, love harder, uh, you know, dedicate, recommit, come down the aisle, uh, prove your love to God. And it, it all sounds really spiritual. It's just not, it's not the gospel. And, I, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong. Of course, there's, you know, behavior passages in the New Testament. Of course, uh, Paul and the other apostles are addressing attitudes and actions. But our problem today is that we have engaged in a self-improvement program where we're telling people to to think better and act better and do more and be more. And we, we really need to take that message and hoist it up uh, on a pedestal and then put under it a foundation of who we are in Christ and mm -hmm. who Christ is in us. There's nothing wrong with behavior passages. There's nothing wrong with attitudes and actions being in line with God, of course, that's healthy and great. But if you don't have that foundation of who you are in Christ, then it's just legalism. 
And, you know, any world religion can offer you 10 ways to behave better or 50 things to do this year or five steps to a better marriage or three steps to being a better person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we Christians have engaged in that. I mean, there's Christian cookbooks, there's Christian (laughs) exercise programs. It's like, you know, I feel like I need to release an exercise program called Pontius Pilates, getting fit the (laughs) Roman way, (laughs) Uh, you know, to, to just hit this Christian market where, my goodness, we have, we have turned everything into Christian self-improvement. And, uh, you know, we fought the lie. It's what Adam and Eve fought into when they ate of the fruit. They thought they could be more godly. In the day you eat of this, you'll be like God. And so they were suckers for the sales pitch of self-improvement. Mm. And we are today if we're not careful. And that's why we need to know we're complete in Christ and we're new in Christ and we're blameless in Christ. It puts an end to that treadmill experience and it allows us to rest in Jesus. Man, I love that. And so many people would say like rest in Jesus, but we got a lot of work to do here. What are you talking about? The Bible, we got a great commission. We got to do this. We got to do that. What do you mean by rest in Jesus? Yeah, so what's the Great Commission? Uh, go out to the world and tell them all to get busy and miserable like you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, please welcome to the army, get in line, soldier, and get busy for God. Is that the sales pitch? If that is, it's just not very attractive. Sure. But if we are at peace, and if we are at rest, and if we are enjoying Jesus like never before, well, then that's worth talking about. That's Mm. something worth sharing with another person. And so that's another example. We could take the Great Commission passage and say, all right, everybody get out and get busy, get out and get busy. Well, there's no foundation. What are they sharing? What are they talking about? What are they celebrating? Why are they out there? What do they have to say? And if their only message is, please join in the Great Commission with us so we can make the commission even greater, then we've got a greater and greater commission of nothing. And the message is what's important. Mm -hmm. So what's the message? And the message is that God thinks the world of you, that if you never talk about Him ever again, if you never lift a finger in service ever again, if you never do anything for Him ever again, He likes you as much as Jesus. And and that's the gospel (laughs) message. Uh, And that's what we need to be bragging about and celebrating because that's attractive. That's the fragrant aroma of Christ in us. Oh, man, it's so beautiful. Once this gospel touches your heart. You know, it, it, there's a joy unspeakable and full of glory and you don't have to, you want to, you get to, you just, you can't help but spread the message. Tell people in your family, your friends, what the Lord has done, how good he is, that he truly sets you free, that he set you free from striving and your heart has entered a place of rest. And so I love that, you know, because the apostle Paul, he was compelled. There was, you know, he didn't, you know, he wasn't trying to manufacture passion. It was a passion that seized Mm -hmm. him as he got a revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for him. The magnificent grace of God in his life, one who was a persecutor of the church being forgiven, loved, adored. That's the, that's what compelled him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, well, anyways, you, you talk a lot in your book about identity and the importance of identity. You know, we're all searching for identity. Who are we? That That is the question here. You know, you know, we, we, we allow people's opinions of us and, and, you know, religion, and we allow so many things to frame up our identity, but it's imperative that we get a proper perspective. Like you said, you read through Romans and, and your mind started to be renewed about the reality of the kingdom, but you talk a lot about identity. I'd love to dig a little more into that. 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, I definitely think knowing your identity frees you from lifeless religion and, and legalism, but I also think there's more to it. Um, you know, I, I counsel people who are struggling as their kids um, entertain drugs and their kids, uh, you know, lose their job or mm-hmm. their kids end up with the wrong crowd. And so they start asking questions like, am I a horrible parent? Am I a horrible person? Uh, you know, what does God think of me? Is he disappointed in me? Because they're getting, they don't even realize it, but they're getting their identity, their worth, their value from how their kids turn out. And what righteousness does when we recognize our righteousness, we have something unshakable and unbreakable that Jesus thinks the world of us, that he's given us infinite value and worth, no matter how our children turn out, whether we lose our job or our dog dies or we get a divorce and we, you know, the person we've been with abandons us, we can start to feel all kinds of things. We feel uh, a broken heart, a broken home, loneliness, you know, all of that. And where does the gospel fit in? I mean, heaven is not good enough. Heaven is not happening right now. Uh, you know, forgiveness is nice, but that doesn't really help in this moment. So what is it that helps? And I'm finding that believers need to know their righteousness because God is saying, you are infinitely valuable to me and you're righteous by birth, not by behavior. Mm. And what I mean by that is you're, you're righteous by new birth. So, you know, how many sins did it take? How many sins did it take to become a sinner? A lot of people say one, it only took one. Well, really it took zero. Uh, you're a sinner by birth. And likewise, how many righteous acts does it take to be righteous? Well, again, the answer is zero. You're righteous by new birth, not by behavior. And when we start to see what God did to us at the new birth, born of the Spirit, born of God, born again, righteous, uh, that really helps us see, hey, I've got value and identity and worth that nobody can take from me. And I don't have to be looking out at the world around me to try to find it. I've I've really got my needs met in Christ. Mm, Absolutely. You talk a lot about the new heart that we've received as believers, which I think is absolutely fundamental, foundational, because, you know, there was a heart surgery that took place, you know, when we were born again, like you're talking about the rebirth, righteousness by new birth, not by behavior, which is, which is awesome. So true. But there's a scripture that many people get hung up on. And I want to tackle that a little bit. It's Jeremiah 17, nine, where it says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who could know it. This has been propagated behind so many pulpits, so many believers say, well, the heart's deceitfully wicked, but God gave us a new heart. Yeah. Yeah. So we go back to the Old Testament before the cross, before the resurrection, before Pentecost, before the born again experience that everybody was waiting for. Jesus said, wait for power from on high. I mean, obviously that's a game changer. The death and resurrection of Christ is a an enormous game changer. So Mm -hmm. what are we doing? What are we doing going before the cross to an Old Testament passage that is addressing Jewish people under the law? And then we're going to lift out a description of their hearts. And then we're going to tell Christians that they have wicked and deceitful hearts. Well, wait a minute. Uh, If I recall correctly, when you invited me to receive Jesus, you told me I needed Jesus in my heart. And then uh, 10 years later, you're telling me my heart is wicked. 
So does Jesus live in a wicked place? Uh, mm. I thought God cleaned. Mm-hmm. I thought God cleaned house and yeah. moved in. And you know, the whole prophecy of the New Testament, the New Covenant message is: I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I'll put my spirit in you. Romans six says we became obedient from the heart. So. I understand why people conclude this stuff, Michael. I mean, look, the thoughts hit my head. Those nasty thoughts, those lustful thoughts, those negative thoughts, they hit my head. And so then I start freaking out thinking my heart must be wicked. Uh, But I've got to recognize the difference between the head and the heart. And it's really a one-foot journey. It's, it's a one-foot journey from your head to your heart. And what God is saying is, would you live from your heart? Would you give from your heart? And would you forgive from your heart? Because you've got a new, godly, obedient, forgiving, kind heart that the Lord gave you. It's a go-to place. It's like the Holy of Holies in the Old <laughs> Testament. Yes. I mean, Christ lives in there. Yes. And so... In every moment, you've got a trustworthy heart at the core of your being. And that's a game changer when you believe that in the very core of your being. That is, a, that is an absolute game changer. The Holy Spirit cleansed us, washed us, made us a pure and holy temple for him to live in. He does not live in an impure temple. The Holy Spirit made his home on the inside of us. We have a new heart that craves righteousness, that hates wickedness. Therefore, we are anointed with the oil of joy. When we catch that revelation that we have a heart that loves righteousness and hates wickedness, that causes even joy to spring up on the inside of us. And there's this thing I always hear in hymns that I brought this up on a previous podcast, but there's this thing that I've heard in hymns a lot that we are prone to wander. And many people say yeah. that in worship songs, we're prone to wander, but I believe we are prone to righteousness, that our new heart craves righteousness, and that's, and that's truly who we are. Yeah, I mean, the scripture says that when it says, count yourself dead to sin and alive to God, God's not asking you to pretend or to fake it. He's telling you this is real. This is true. And look, you're going to prove it. Michael, you're going to prove it one way or another. Uh, You're going to prove your new identity in Christ by going out and sinning and being miserable or by going out and trusting Jesus and being fulfilled. Mm. But either way, you prove your new identity in Christ. God is right about you. Uh, You are allergic to sin and you're addicted to Jesus and you can't help it. (laughs) Yes, we actually hate sin. It's correct because before I was born again, I I would sin and I didn't think twice about it. Yeah, I had a conscience, but at the same time, like when I, when I got born again, it was just, it didn't sit well anymore. It was gross. It didn't taste right. I didn't want it. I hated it. And that is proof and confirmation that I was a new creation. The old things were gone and the new things have fully come. And that's just even confirmation that, Hey, wow, like God did an eternal work on the inside of me that I'm learning to, I'm learning to believe it and I'm learning to walk it out. But many people would say, and, and You mentioned this a minute ago. Many people would say that, well, my, I just feel like a sinner. I feel wicked, you know, and would you say that the more we root ourselves in this gospel, that these feelings will begin to line up, that feelings begin to line up over time with our true identity? Yeah, I mean, they do. I I don't run around making promises on, hey, it's going to take three weeks or three months or three years because Everybody knows that emotions are all over the place as we Mm -hmm. ride the roller coaster of the soul. But 
But definitely, I mean, our job is believe the truth, set your mind on truth. I mean, look at it this way. If I go and I buy a brand new shiny uh, MacBook Pro laptop and I bring it home from Best Buy, I crack it open. I'm so excited. I start typing away. And in five minutes, it tells me I need software updates. Now, wait a minute. I just bought this thing. It costs thousands of dollars and now I need software updates. Well, that shows you the difference between hardware and software updates. Uh, what I'm saying is, you know, spiritually, we've got new spiritual hardware uh, at the core of our being, but we're still up in the mind. We're experiencing software updates. So mm. don't be surprised when you've got some stinking thinking, when you've got the, the old way of operating, that old software trying to run along with your new hardware, look, there's a conflict there, but over time, you're going to get the updates you need from the God of the universe. And the software is not any indication of what the hardware looks like. And that's what we've got to understand Yes, we're learning, and yes, we're growing, and yes, our feelings are all over the place, but God's not lying when he mm. says that you're holy and righteous and blameless. And, you know, the last thing I would say about this is it, it's more than washing. I mean, we Christians, we're, we're, we talk about being washed, and that's so good. We're, we're washed, we're justified, we're sanctified. Those are beautiful words, but we also died. I mean, we need to recognize that mm, as a Christian, yes. we died. Uh, it, it's not just that we're born again. You can't be born again without dying first. So, you know, I think God is inviting us to attend our own funeral, and he's inviting <laughs> us to sign our own death certificate and say, I have been crucified with Christ. And so when I think about my identity, I'm not just going to think washed. I'm not going to just think forgiven. I'm not going to just think cleansed. But I'm going to think I died, I was buried, I was raised to newness of life, and I'm seated with Christ. And when I recognize that heart surgery, you know, when you're a kid, you say, cross my heart, hope to die. Well, that's exactly what the gospel is. He crossed your heart. He took your heart to the cross, and you hoped to die. Well, you did. You died with Christ, and you became a new creation. So that's what it means to count yourself dead to sin and alive to him. Awesome. I believe that 100%. It's a core of the gospel right there. And you know, the renewal of the mind in Romans 12, it's attached to transformation. It says we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. And it says in 1 John that when we see him, we will become just like him. And we are just like him now, but it's talking about a manifestation of who we truly are. We'll begin to see ourselves expressing that reality as we get a true and pure picture of who he is. And so it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. And I know I would, yeah. I'd like to, I'd like yeah. to end with this because I know you mentioned the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. We could talk about this for hours, but I just want <laughs> to bring some clarification. You know, we do believe in the Old Testament and we do read the Old Testament and the new. How could you, for, for someone who's saying, wow, there's so much stuff in the Old Testament I don't even know what to do with. Can you give some practical instruction for people who are like wrestling with that when they're getting this grace message? Yeah. Yeah. You know, people, people say, what's the value of the Old Testament? Well, obviously you find out number one, how we got here, how we were created and for what purpose. And then number two, you find out how we ruined it, uh, how we decided to go independent and go rogue and draw a ring around ourselves and say, Lord, I'm going to be Lord of this ring and I'm going to find out what good and evil is on my own apart from you. And then we find 
God pursuing us, chasing after us, seeking to make us right with him. We see the love of God, the mercy of God. Uh, We see a man after God's own heart, David, uh, expressing his passion for the Lord. We see wisdom. I mean, there's, there's incredible truths to glean from the Old Testament, but I would just say, remember, there's a surprise ending. There's a surprise ending to the gospel, and that is that you're dead to the law and not under the law, and Christ is the end of the law for all those who believe. So when you watch an Alfred Hitchcock film from the 1960s or whatever, you don't want to watch 80% of it and then shut it off. You want to you want to watch the surprise ending because it helps you reinterpret everything that came before. Uh, otherwise, you're going to miss it. And, and it's the same way with the Bible. Man, let's study the Old Testament. We can be experts in it, but don't miss the surprise ending of the New Covenant. It changes mm. everything. It, you know, it, it's it's like, uh, Michael, I remember the first time I went to a 3D movie decades ago, I was in the movie theater and I was raising the glasses and putting them back down and then raising and putting back down. And I was trying to see what the movie looks like with and without those special 3D glasses. Well, it's the same way with the Old Testament. I mean, if you don't have your grace glasses on, then it's blurry, nothing lines up. Uh, But as soon as you drop those new covenant glasses Mm -hmm. onto your face, then suddenly it's a technicolor dream and it all lines up and it all makes sense. And so it is with reading the Old Testament. Read it, study it, know it, love it, but look at it through a grace lens. Have you got your new covenant glasses on? I agree 100%. And you know, the um, the Apostle Paul, he said over and over again that the law, he said it, I believe it's First or Second Timothy, he said the law is not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous, for those who are adulterers and kidnappers. And he goes on and on, showing them their need for a savior. But he constantly preaches, like in the book of Romans and in Colossians, he's saying that sin no longer has dominion over us because we are under grace, not under the law. And he says, grace is a teacher. Grace teaches us to live a godly life in this present dark age. And so grace is an empowerment to live a holy life, not an excuse to do whatever we want. And you've you've said that so well in this in this broadcast. Thank you so much for your dedication to the gospel and your the unadulterated pure gospel, not holding back with boldness. I really appreciate your contribution there. Hey, well, thank you, my friend. Uh, awesome. I love your podcast. Uh, it was a privilege to be on today. Oh, thank you so much. How can people connect more with your ministry and tell them anything you're doing right now and how to get a hold of Perfect You? Yeah, so you can check out The Perfect You, of course, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, It's called The Perfect You, God's Invitation to Live from the Heart. And if you want to dig more into our free resources and check out what we have online, our ministry is called The Grace Message, and our website is just my name. It's andrewfarley.org. That's andrewfarley.org. Awesome. Thank you again. And for those who are tuning in, thank you so much for listening time and time again to Awaken Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed, awakened, encouraged by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you guys, and I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Let me tell you about this amazing online store, The Hope Filled Journey. 
Um, they definitely want to check that out today. Michelle and Renee Torres, they started up an online store in obedience to the Holy Spirit in the midst of a crazy year, full-time jobs, raising four small children. They stepped out in faith, and God is honoring it every step of the way. It's www.thehopefilledjourney.com. This is where you'll find extraordinary products, clothes, fashion accessories, jewelry, and more. You'll be able to find amazing clothes for spring, handmade jewelry. Their goal is to inspire faith, through their product line, as well as high quality in all they do and produce. Check it out. It's the hopefilledjourney.com. And also, if you today, if you go, well, you got a promo code AWAKEN, promo code AWAKEN. If you go to the website, you can get 25% off of all full-priced items and all orders over $60 will ship free. And so that's 25% off today, all full price items and any orders, $60 or more will ship free. And so make sure to go to the website that is www.thehopefilledjourney.com and make sure to use promo code AWAKEN.